This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I am Billy Mully and this is what we got coming up today. We start off by going through the events that unfolded in Blackpool on Saturday with the Hatters running out as the 3-0 winners at Bloomfield Road. A result that took us back into the top half of the table and asked questions like, are we finally a clinical side and could Jordan Clark be the first billion pound player? We also look ahead to Fulham when they visit Kenilworth Road next Saturday. Obviously going to be a very difficult game, especially with the Cottages top of the league, dominating all the stats and, and looks like a very, very difficult prospect. But I'm sure, as we know, we're a fearless side now and we'll go into the game with every bit of confidence that we won't get embarrassed. But we'll go to Blackpool first and I'm joined by Dylan Bundia and Stephen Day to go through it today. Lads, how are you getting on? Not too bad. Buzzing off a Saturday. That's it, yeah. It was a brilliant day on Saturday. I think um, I think if we if we think about it, if we would have lost that or another uh, a bad performance was put in, how daunting would Fulham have looked? I, I would have remained hopeful that we would have uh, done something against them because I know what we're like. I was, I was thinking, you know, I'll probably lose to Blackpool like 4-0 and then go and beat Fulham 3-0 because that's just what we're like and that's what this league is like. But I'm happy that we've come away from Blackpool with a win and it, it does make Fulham seem like a, you know, we've got a bit more chance because we're on the, the high of a good away win and but at the same time, it was just unpredictable. I see. It seemed in Blackpool, everything everything just went my way. I said on the group chat, obviously, when that third goal went in, it was a bit, bit of beauty from Musquay combining with Clark. And then I checked my phone. Bromley had scored to, to make our bet come in. It was worth 160 quid. And then the next day, 
we go to we go to the pleasure beach and we go down to the south pier we, we do everything that you do in blackpool and then stop in at a casino and turn 10 into 20 so do you know what it was just one of those weekends that was going all right and then as we were leaving you know, blackpool, for a swim in the sea no, no, that was that was out of bounds. I don't think I don't think I would return. <laughs> I think that would have been oh, like you should have seen the war. It, it was something else at the weekend. I saw some pictures and it, it didn't look uh, the the nicest it's ever looked. No, yeah, there's there definitely seen better days on on the seafront. I'm sure, but yeah, as as we were as 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 I was coming out of um, Blackpool, we put another bet on the course because we were so successful that day before. And as soon as we left Blackpool, that's when everything started to go wrong. That's when Stoke went 1-0 up when, when I had QPR and all the other bits of rubbish. I think Brentford as well, was, we had Leeds. I think they equalised at one point and just thought, why can't I stay in Blackpool forever? That would have been, that would have sorted everything right out. But we'll go more into the game because I don't think anyone cares about my, my betting history. Yeah. One no. thing we'll... Um, Stop talking about yourself now. All right, I'll stop talking about myself. Just because you didn't turn up and missed one of the best away days there'll be, don't don't start. I regret it so much. I regret it so much. Yeah, well. Last time I went back all away, we won 3-0, so. But we'll we'll talk about the game. We've we've had enough. I've had enough to talk about myself. (laughs) Um, Carlos Mendes Gomez came in. um, Obviously spoke during the week, Nathan Jones did, about Carlos Mendes Gomez, how he'll be going nowhere and... I think we had a little joke about how when he said that we thought, okay, that means um, he, he's moving to MK Dons. But he came into the starting lineup and and did a good job, didn't he? Yeah, it was he, he he did well. I mean, he didn't he didn't tear up any trees. He didn't completely you know destroy Backpool and announce himself as our best player. But he, he did well, and and it's really nice to see him because he obviously first start since Blackburn away, I think it was, and he wasn't even supposed to start in that game. Um, so yeah, no, he did well. He and I think it was a good game for him to come in as well because Blackpool aren't physically or athletically the the best team that we're going to come up against. So with Carlos, his you know his limitation at the minute is is physically he's still developing. He looked um, physically a little bit stronger um, than than we've se- than when we've seen him previously. But I think it, w- it was a perfect game for him to come in and and well done to him for you know coming in after a long time and and performing because that that takes you know, you've got to play under a bit of pressure there because, you know, if he comes in and, and has a stinker, then he might not play for another few months. So well, well done to him because uh, I thought he was very good. Yeah, especially when you think with, with Carlos Mendes Gomez, he's, he's had to be patient. Obviously, he's gone from playing football a, a, a sort of a, during Morecambe's promotion winning season. Of course, he was an, an integral player to that. Prior to that, he was coming up for non-league. So he's, he's constantly been playing football. And uh, I know, I know he would have expected this in the championship, but to go from playing week in week out to to be on the fringes and and um, when there's excitement around your name as well, he probably would have expected a little bit more game time. But he's remained patient, he's remained hungry, and we saw that in his performance, didn't we? Yeah, I I mean I obviously didn't see it, but um, I think obviously with the match analysis, Dylan's probably the better one to answer, really. <laughs> Yeah, no, he just uh, having having him and Clark, you know, having him instead of Fred or Musque or Cornick, you know, Fred receives well between the lines. He, he plays on the half turn, 
he's clever with his forward passes. He drops the shoulder, find that chance uh, in the first half where Elijah went, where he sent Elijah in down the left and he hit the side netting. You know, that's really clever and that's what he brings. Um, something quite different to to most to to most of our other forward players. Ironically, the other player who's probably most similar to him is Jordan Clark, and and they both started um, on Saturday. So yeah, you know, as as Billy said, like it's it's all about with him. It was always going to take time. Last season was his first full season um, in the football league, where he played you know forty plus games before it was only you know ten fifteen games for the previous two seasons. So. It was always going to take time, but he did well and he took his opportunity, which is which is the main thing. And, and you know, if he's starting away at Blackpool, then I, I don't see him going anywhere and he shouldn't go anywhere because he can contribute um, as the season goes on. Another special mention has to go to, to James Shea, obviously brought back into the side in, in Sluga's absence. And that's twice now that he's come in and secured clean sheets. The first one at Nottingham Forest wasn't tested too much, was he? But then, then he's... he's He's coming again against the Blackpool side that did create a few chances. Maybe nothing that was incredibly clear cut, but everything that was thrown at him, he dealt very well with. Yeah, he did. And I think even if Sluger is available for Saturday, I think Shea deserves a chance against Fulham. I know it'd be a bit silly uh, to throw in him against the likes of Mitrovic and and the team that Fulham have got, but um, I think Shea deserves a chance, definitely, because he everyone was raving about him, and I've seen some of the saves that he pulled off, and they were they were brilliant reaction saves, and I can't see why he doesn't deserve a chance. Yeah, it was a, a Mike Simmons tweet, didn't he? he put a poll out to, to basically gather fans' thoughts about who should start next game, should Shea be trusted, and, and when I saw it, it was about... 84% in, in Shea's favour. So it, it does show that within the Luton faithful, we, we do trust him to, to play against a side like Fulham who are going to consistently create chances. But another player I think we should talk about is James Bree, because I don't think he's got the credit he deserved once again. Um, a player that we we didn't, I wouldn't say we all criticised, but we we asked questions and we we after a poor performance as as we can as we can agree on. Um, he's come up against a Blackpool side that are young, energetic, and and a side that have caused a lot of trouble this season. And he wasn't really tested defensively. He provided an attacking threat, and he basically had a very good game, in my opinion. Yeah, he he didn't put a foot wrong, and um, I don't think you know after the stick that he got after the Cardiff game. Yeah, he wasn't great against Cardiff, but I think it was a bit unfair the the amount of stick he was getting. I think it was slightly over the top and, and he's come back and he's rode that and he's shown the kind of resilience that you need if you're, if you're going to you know roll with the punches in the championship and yeah he didn't put a foot wrong he, he wasn't again like Carlos he wasn't outstanding he wasn't you know he didn't put, tear up any trees or anything but he did his job he defended properly he was a threat going forward energy levels down the right top notch um yeah, it was it was very good again, and and he's an important player for us as as we know from from the season so far. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's the best right back at the club, um, be it players that we have in the squad at the minute or on loan. Um, no question about it whatsoever. So, very important player for us, and and he'll continue to do you know good things down that right flank. On the subject of Bree, was um, Naismith 
on all set pieces because I know that he was on the one uh, on the corner for um, Bradley's goal, but I didn't see that he was on every set piece. Like, was Bree on them and was he good or it was just Naismith on them? Uh, we, we mixed it up, I think. I think the reason why Naismith took the one in the second half was because the wind was blowing behind us. So it made sense to have him putting in in-swingers um, rather than Bree kind of outswinging it against the wind. Um, I think that was a big reason in that. But no, I think I think it was, if I remember correctly, Lansbury took a couple and and Bree took... Did Bree take any, really? I can't, I can't quite remember from... I can't... Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I can't really remember. Um... If, if he did take a, a corner, I don't remember any of them going out of play or, or not beating the first man in, in terms of set-piece delivery. I remember them all all being very good in, in terms of delivery from outside the box as well. It was it was very good. So, yeah, I, I remember Bree putting in three good crosses in the first half. Um, just, just bang on the money. Yeah, so I, I remember that's what everyone was... Well, not what everyone, but it was a thing that people were fixating on as well after the Cardiff game, that he was not good on set pieces at all so yeah that's why i was asking really just because everyone was going on about how good caldini's uh corner was and how he should be on all set pieces and i'm like well you know if it was just a one-off with brie in the cardiff game with his with his delivery then you know it's shown i think I with think... Bree's deliveries in general there's like there's a bit of a misunderstanding you know he he takes big risks with his crosses. You know, he's not safe with it. You want to have a successful cross from, from either side. You just float it in there. You don't put any power on it. You get loads of height on it, and you've got Elijah Adebayo who can get it down. But Bree whips it. He gets. He tries to curl it around the front man and, and do it first time with low backlift. And that's you're not going to be as successful with those crosses. Some of them are going to hit the first player in open play and from set pieces. Um, but what what but it's it's much more dangerous than anything where you know if you just chip it in there and just hope we get a little knockdown because you're actually putting it you're fizzing it in with power um so it, you know he takes risks with his crosses he's brave with them which is why i really like um about him rather than someone just kind of oh yeah i want to make myself look good i'll just float it in there towards the back post and hope for the best if if, if that makes sense i think that speaks volumes about his mindset as well um obviously set piece delivery has, has been um, he's been targeted for. Um, it's not just the Cardiff game where his set-piece delivery has been targeted. I think against Cardiff, that was where it was at its peak. But ultimately, um, his, his set-pieces and he's crossing from, from wide areas as well. That's been the subject of a lot of criticism. And the, the good thing about it is he hasn't hidden. It's not like when he gets the ball out wide, he... he turns back and tries to tries to play inside to the midfield if he has the opportunity and if it doesn't sort of present itself in front of him he will put that cross in and I think that's good to have a player that doesn't hide behind the football who will always get on the ball and, and do what he's what he has been good at because you think back to Coventry and Swansea when he was playing um, when he was sort of galloping down the wing and, and playing balls in um, first time and and getting success that way and, and obviously it's not occurring like that at the moment but hopefully this Blackpool game's a, a sort of a pivotal game for him where he can go back to going back to his best and sort of those performances that we saw against Coventry and uh, Swansea one more um, one more 
player that we should mention is Admiral Musquite because Jones, um, well, especially when we've got Dylan here as well, um, Musquite is always a, a good player to talk about. But um, I think what Jones said um, was that he was unplayable in training, which is always good to hear, always fills you with confidence. So when he came on, and he he done what he did. He obviously had a, a, a good spell even before he grabbed that assist. But we'll, we'll talk about that assist because he's he's got two men on, shrugged one of them away, sheer pace to get to the byline and a pinpoint cross to to wrap the game up. Because I know it was a 90th minute, but I, I still don't trust being tuned up in the 90th minute. Yeah, I mean he's getting there. He's getting there, and I think. You know, I, I picked him up a lot before the season. Um, it's taken a bit of time and he's still not there. What he needs is a bit more rhythm and a bit a run of games, starting in the team, really get used to things. Um, but he's getting there. And I think I think people are seeing the what he can bring and, and where he can get to in the very near future. And that, power, that, that assist um, on Saturday just summed him up, really. That power, pace, little... It's not just about his power and pace. You know, Harry Cornick has, has power and pace. But what Musque has is that real balance and agility to just, you know, change direction quickly and 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 that's and, and shoulder to shoulder he's he can hold him he can hold his own, um, yeah he, he's gonna he there's he's gonna take off at some point and I think then we'll really start you know we're nowhere near seeing the best of Admiral Musque nowhere near, um, at some point we will see it in the very near future I think and. And I just hope he can get a run of games as um, in as well over Christmas or or as soon as possible, really. Because once he does, I think people will really start to see the, the the kind of player that he is, but also how far he can go and and he can become a really a real top Championship player and and play in the Premier League one day. I think um, because and and I think Saturday was was good as well for him and his confidence, just coming off the bench and impacting the game. You know, we started to drop off a little bit. He came on 77th minute, gave us that energy going forward, that forward thrust, the out ball. We pressed a bit higher um, and, and he really changed the dynamics of the last 15 minutes, I thought. Um, so, yeah, um, really, really happy to see him um, be rewarded for his efforts. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling quite excited about by him again. I mean, I remember saying earlier on in the season when he first came into the squad, he was playing brilliantly and I was thinking like, he is going to be a brilliant player. And then, I mean, yeah, I, I was trusting your word as well, Dylan. And then he's just been out of the squad for a while and I was, you know, being quite upset by it because I think he's a lot better than, you know, the time that he's had in the squad. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see him get back in the squad and show that he's worth it. Certainly an exciting prospect sort of as we come to the second half of the season and, and we see him more regularly, hopefully we see him more regularly because everything that he's done so far is positive things and I'm, I'm hoping that we do get a run of well, a run in the team and um, one thing I will ask you Dylan is that a lot of focus when you, when you did your analysis at the start of the season and when we spoke about him was him in a central area and, and as we've seen it, he has played, well, he, he's basically operated everywhere. He, he's been handed a role on the right, on the left, central. Do you think that his, his best position is still more central or, or do you think there's more scope for him to develop as a winger? I think, I think, his, I think his, 
long term, I think his best position is central. I think when he's playing in that front two, a bit like Cornick, it gives him that freedom. So he can either, you know, he can drift outside and like we do, like we see a lot with Cornick, receive it wide, go 1v1 wide, do all the things you'd expect from a winger, but also affect the game in central positions. He can also then from that in that front two as well, drop in to the kind of number 10 pocket, receive on the turn, which I think is something that he's really, really good at. Um, so I think playing, not necessarily, you know, what we know about the way that we play with a front two is no one is just central. You know, Elijah will go wide to receive it sometimes. Don't want Elijah too wide, obviously. But And same with Musque as well. He can go and that front two role just gives him that freedom to drift around and, and look for space, make decisions rather than just being pigeonholed out on the left or the right. So I think there's a lot more to his game than just picking the ball up wide and dribbling 1v1. I think he, he can do a lot of other things that someone like Fred perhaps can't do. And if he could just lift his head up a little bit more in the final third and, and just see things a bit a bit better and and have a bit more awareness about him, then we'll really start to see a top, top, you know, um, split striker, kind of centre forward um, player coming through who can operate in a range of roles. Um, so, yeah, I think long term he's a, he's a centre, he's a striker in the front two, a bit like Cornick, um, but a bit very different to Cornick, though, very different to Cornick. Certainly an exciting prospect, but we'll move on to Fulham, uh, the game that is coming up next at Kenworth Road. I think when you look at the table, goals scored, goal difference um, in general, uh, other metrics and performance indicators, it, it does look that this is going to be the test of the season. Well, perhaps Fulham away might be a bit more difficult challenge, but it, in terms of difficulty of teams that will play this season, it, it does appear that Fulham from a statistical point of view, it's going to be the toughest. I mean, looking at their form, they're, they're having a little dip. Um, obviously, they did play Bournemouth the other night, so that was obviously going to be a tough game regardless. But obviously, you know, 17 goals against. But 54, that's, that's a bit daunting. And we need to definitely be on our game defensively if we want to have a chance of getting a result. Um, but hopefully we can use, you know, the home advantage well and just get on top of them and frustrate them and do what we do best with the, you know, going forward quickly. Yeah, and you think about you think about Fulham as well. Um, looking at their their games more specifically, even if you look at that Bournemouth game, the amount of shots they have, the amount of shots on target they create, the the, the consistent creation of chances for Mitrovic or whoever starts um, up front for them. It has been Mitrovic pretty much all season, apart from when he's been an unavailable. It is going to be a tough, tough defensive task for us to keep Mitrovic in Coa Bay. To say the least, I mean, how they have that squad at this level is it's just, it's frankly ridiculous. I mean, Front four of Wilson, Carvalho, Cabano, and and Mitrovic with uh, Bobby Reed and Tom Kearney coming off the bench. Josh Onimer as well. It's crazy. It, and and the thing is, I think we go into the game with that free hit mindset. Nathan Jones won't say that in his presser. He'll say, "No, we're going to win the game. We're going to go and try and win it. It doesn't matter that it's Fulham." Um, but I think from a fan's point of view, Fulham are that good. They have that much quality everywhere on the pitch and on the bench that I think 
let's just have a good go. We know that we'll try and go after them a bit, especially at home. We'll press them high. Um, I remember when we played Fulham, this was in our first season in the championship under Graham Jones around Christmas time. Um, obviously, they didn't have the same level of players, but they were still a very good team for the level. And we really went after them in the first few minutes and, and tried to press. And we'll do the same this time because that's the kind of team that we are. But I think they have so much quality all over the pitch that it really is a free hit. Let's just give it a good go. And if we can get a point out of it, amazing. If we can win, then incredible, because Fulham, they are an incredible team. Um, and not just strong from open play, but really strong from set pieces as well. So they're not one of those top teams that maybe that play great football, that maybe are a bit vulnerable from set plays. You can try and target that. You know, they're, they're good from set plays as well. So it's, it's going to be very difficult. And Mitrovic is basically a cheat code, because looking at the stats right here, 20 games played, 21 goals like that just stupid he hasn't goals. seen Cal Naismith yet, right? sorry he hasn't seen Cal Naismith yet <laughs> goals per 90 1.09 like how do you <laughs> we need to we really need to be on our game because it's almost like he's guaranteed to score but let's hope we can get a, a good win or at least a point yeah, I just like I I like to keep them at bay. I'd like to be a, a team that this season can keep them at bay rather than have another three three like we did back in the first season. I don't want to concede in the last minute again. That was horrible. Because statistically <laughs> speaking, we are more likely to concede against Mitrovic than than not. So that is that's a scary prospect that any championship player at this stage of the season is already he's scoring once every what what is it like 85 minutes or something like that something ridiculous after 20 yeah 83 83 minutes on there but I think a lot of that is to do with the players around him you think Cabal is ridiculously good Um, you think even Bobby Reid that hasn't been playing so much watching him sort of points this season he's an unbelievable player that, that sees things that most don't Carvalho as well, who's attracting interest from bloody Real Madrid and Barcelona, and we're expected to keep him and Co at bay. But yeah, um, I think if you look into Fulham too much, you, you get a, a little bit lost. I think I think you look at them too much, and you don't think about what we can do and what we have done. And and yeah, I think it's quite easy to get lost. One last thing about Fulham is our score predictions. Um, we've just been singing their praises at the highest level there. So um, let's see if the score predictions match it. I'll go to you first, Stephen. I really don't know. 4-3 um, Fulham. <laughs> okay. Nice quiet game, isn't it? <laughs> we'll just, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, Dylan, what about you? Oh, uh, I'll go two all. So, would would you go? You you four three to yeah. Fulham? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go two one Fulham. I don't. I can't really bring too much positivity in there. And and to be fair, I think we'll play well. I think we'll be fearless. I think we'll we'll do all the things that we expect from from Luton, but given their sheer quality at this level. I think they, they probably will have a little bit too much, but a tight I'll, um, I'll, I'll speak for 
I'll speak for Jamie again um, for his prediction. Um, he says, I think he's going to say 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> no, he's gonna, he's, he'd say 2-0 he'd say two, two Luton. Yeah, to be fair, that is, that is a very realistic claim. But yeah, 5 all. Yeah. <laughs> could see it. Adebayo 5, Mitrovic 5. It could be one of them games. That is all for today. We're going to be back before the Fulham game to talk through the transfer window in a little bit more detail as that spices up. But for now, a big thank you to Dylan and Stephen for joining me today and make sure to keep your eyes peeled for Project Relaunch. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.